The Words Liberate. This is our eighth talk, and the topic of conversation today will be self-development. We will be using the self-developmental teachings from ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. Again, as we've been doing recently, we will continue to use Manly Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages, simply because the book is a compendium or an encyclopedia of different self-developmental teachings throughout the world and throughout time. And so we continue reading the book, and we arrive at the mysteries of Serapis. And this is one self-developmental teaching that the ancient Greece, Greeks and Egypt, Egyptians shared, which both fell under the title, The Mysteries of Serapis. But first off, we, it's important to clarify what we mean when we say the mysteries. And here we aren't talking about puzzles that needed to be solved using the mind. We're talking about acts that needed to be completed using the life, the life that was lived. Hence the phrase, those who live the life shall know the doctrine. And so they were lessons. Mysteries were lessons that needed to be learned. And so a traditional classroom wasn't sufficient enough to properly inform the student. Therefore, the world became the classroom and the experiences of the student became the teachers and the graduates were those who underwent a complete regeneration of character and conduct throughout that process. Only then was the student able to solve the riddle, lighting their torch that they could use to illuminate a path throughout their life. And so the student was admitted into a school where they had to learn the Serapis curriculum. Now, Serapis was the Greco-Egyptian deity, but there exists no real authentic evidence to draw any inferences about who or what Serapis was, objectively was. All we have is an oracle given to the king of Cyprus where Serapis is explained anatomically and analogously using the principles of nature. And so from that, when we read the oracle, Serapis is described as a god, thus, I, a god I am, such as I showed to thee, the starry heavens are my head, my trunk the sea, earth forms my feet, my ear the air supplies, the sun's far darting brilliant rays, mine eyes. See, this suggests order. It suggests a cosmic connection within all the little systems in nature which make up the big system. Now, legend has it that Serapis was an early king of the Egyptians whom the people were indebted to for his philosophic and scientific gifts he gave to the people. But after his death, he became immortalized as a god. But from Philarchus, a third century Greek writer, from him we learn that Serapis means the power that disposed the universe into its present beautiful order. Now, this is an interesting remark because when we look to the world, we can see order. We understand that when we look at the cycles of nature with nitrogen, carbon, photosynthesis, and water all circulating and recycling, providing a coherence in what we see, what we observe as nature. Now, according to Philarchus, Serapis was a symbol which represented that order in nature. So it can be understood that the mysteries of Serapis, at least from this thus far, the mysteries of Serapis referred to a in order to understand how nature is connected one couldn't just solve it with their mind they had to live a specific type of lifestyle over time through a long period of time and as time progresses only then were they considered a graduate of this mystery now 
Philarchus's account of Serapis along with the description of Serapis and the oracle given to the king of Cyprus, they both proclaim the same thing, fundamentally, that there is order in nature. It's beautiful and godly. From the literary evidence, that's what we know so far. But what does this have to do with self-development? Well, oh, other than overcoming challenges in the curriculum the students were subjected to, like in any um, curriculum that takes time and one has to undergo self-discipline, dedication, and focus as time goes on, we can extract some self-developmental insight from the symbolism of the statue of Serapis, unfortunately, which no longer exists. For in the fourth century of the Christian era, Theodosius, the exterminator of pagan philosophy, entered the Serapium at Alexandria, which was known as the daughter of the Library of Alexandria, which was where the school was, he burned the libraries and destroyed the statue of Serapis. But the statue that was there was presented as a tall, powerful, and conveying a twofold impression of manly strength and womanly grace. Now, in the 21st century, and especially with today's polemic politics regarding man and woman, understanding this coupling of masculinity with femininity in one person may be difficult for some people to grasp. But in antiquity, these two principles represented functions, abilities, and ways to go about things. That is, masculinity was a type of operating system, and likewise for femininity, and they did not miscon... they did not misinterpret this as with the confusing situation we have today with sex, with masculinity and femininity and the mixing of sexes in one and all of those, that line of inquiry, that's something completely different from what the ancients at least proclaimed. Now the statue represented the balance of masculine and feminine. And so that's what from, uh, for our self-developmental care package we're establishing throughout these talks. From the mysteries of Serapis, that's one thing that we can pull from them is the balance of masculine and feminine, the balance of these two opposing forces, which we've seen countless times already in our talks, with Mithraism, the Druids, the Gnostics. But here lies the importance of balancing the nature within the individual. Because we all have masculine and feminine traits, and this statue represented the balance ideal. These are the two eternal principles in all things that even though they are opposite, they seem to work beautifully together, right? Because from Philarchus, we can see Serapis represents the beautiful order in nature. That's where the beauty comes in, the order. You see there's beauty in order, but you only get order from entering chaos. So by entering chaos and seeking to bring a little bit of law and order, that's when we get beauty, understanding, right? But from, the in, but from the information presented thus far, Serapis, like we said, represents nature. And the statue embodied the principles that govern nature. The principles that govern nature are masculine and feminine. The principles are, are portrayed by the aesthetics of the statue having manly strength and womanly grace. Also, it's set under the grounds of this school, the literally in the ground after it was destroyed and apparently after going in and excavating, machines were found, very peculiar machines were found. And these were said to have been created by the teachers of this ancient self-developmental school. And these were used to test the moral and physical courage of the candidate, right? To ensure they were dedicated to the quest of wisdom since weak morale and a lack of courage 
can divert one in the path towards the good. Now, when we try to imagine what these peculiar machines were that could test moral and physical courage, our mind immediately runs just to a gymnasium. So that that's where the physical courage is tested. But let's tr if you try to think creatively and ponder on that for a minute, it's interesting where the mind can arrive at, where the mind can arrive at. Can you train morale the same way you can the body? And if so, what does that look like? Anyways, mor morality, moral cur courage, and both physical courage are important in living a good and just life. The physical courage really comes from, it doesn't necessarily mean in strength and physical strength. Physical courage means in the ability to have courage to withstand what the physical necessities of life demand of you, the sexual temptation, the temptation for addiction, the temptation for gorging oneself, right? Moreover, some of the tests the students had to pass through were said to be mazes. And here the maze that the student had to traverse through symbolized the illusions of the lower worlds within us, which we must wander through during the search for truth. And so in the maze dwells the lower animal man, which was represented by the head of the bull, who seeks to destroy the soul entangled in this maze of worldly ignorance, obliviousness, and confusion. And so the bull arguably represents the unpredictable aggression, that component of our behavior, the, the rash-like, capricious-like nature. And so he or she who is governed by the bull then is governed by uncontrollable rage. And so the popular symbol of the bull showed the sacrifice of the bull, right? Which we saw a little bit in Mithraism. But here represents man giving up. The sacrifice of the bull represents a man giving up his bull-like, rage-like nature for the greater good. Hence, wisdom must guide us, not rage. Or at least, wisdom can direct the proper use of that rage and aggression we have. And so from the mysteries of Serapis, we see that life is a maze and maintain in our self-development, our mental, physical, and emotional health, among other things, which is ensuring that our decisions are governed by wisdom, this will allow us to not get caught in the illusions of worldly confusions and therefore provide a path with a little less falsehood and error and a little more truth and good. And so with that, we are finished. <laughs>